pray with me? God, what good news that is this morning. Forgive us for the ways that it's hard for us to trust that welcome. difficult for us to bring our whole selves. And yet today, I pray, God, that your spirit would continue to whisper again to us, my child, I love you. I see your brokenness. I see your hurt. I see your weakness, and I see your sin. And my arms are open just and God I thank you that the beauty of who you are is not just that you are far away but that you call us to be family to one another and so together we lift up those who are weak and hurting and grieving again today we think particularly of Diana Murphy, who lost her husband, Terry, early this morning. Think about Jolene Brown, who lost her brother, and Samuel Johnson, who lost his mother, and countless others whose names we know. We lift them to you again today, asking for your comfort and your peace that passes all understanding. And I pray that even now, as we continue, you would move among us, creating space for all of who we are, and that we might encounter you through your word today again. Soften our hearts, open our ears, Give us eyes to see you afresh and anew again today and then the courage to respond. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, so good morning. My name is Suzanne Vogel and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at The Bridge. And I want to welcome those of you who are online. Uh, I know that a number of you chose to stay home or are actually even in process coming home. We're glad you're here, whether you're online or you're in the room. Hey, I have a couple of quick housekeeping announcements or items I want to jump through before we get into the sermon. And the first is that we are really excited. This week, later in the week, Pastor Beth Reeves, our pastor of family ministries, is returning back from her sabbatical. She's been gone for two months, uh, really getting an opportunity to be refreshed and renewed. The best research shows that it is good for churches and good for pastors if every seven, eight years their uh, staff go on sabbatical and get a significant break. And so she is coming back Wednesday. Uh, we, we considered having t-shirts made as a team that said, said I am no Bep. <laughs> but I would really want to shower her with welcome. And so I would invite you, would you take a, just a minute this next couple days and send Pastor Bep 
an email of welcome back. Let her know that you've been praying for her and that you're praying for her reentry. In fact, if you want to pull out your cell phone now, you can send that right now if you want to. We would love to have you uh, help, us, help us welcome her back well. All right. Now, the second thing is that you have probably ascertained that we are beginning the celebration of Advent this week. Now, this is four weeks where those of us who follow Jesus intentionally work to prepare our hearts to celebrate the return of Jesus and the coming of Jesus. And we're going to use this year the Psalms, and we're going to think about themes of light, love, peace, and joy. And we're going to follow a devotional called The Joy of Every Longing Heart. Now, last week I encouraged you to grab these. And y'all listened, like a lot of you. In fact, we had, like, they were gone in within probably five minutes of after service. So I want to give you a couple of options if you're still interested. First of all, um, we called the publisher, and they're out, too. That's how fast uh, this, the demand was for these. So there's a couple of options. Over on the Welcome Center, right over there, we have a QR code. So if you have a Kindle or an e-reader, you can actually just take a snapshot. It'll take you straight to Amazon, and you can purchase it online. And you can have it on your Kindle, and, and that'll be good. The second thing, though, I would say is that you don't actually have to follow this devotional. If you, we're going to preach generally kind of along the same themes, but you can also use the Words of Hope devotional. And those are over there, and those are free. And so I would encourage you, the key thing I would suggest is that you are intentional for the next season between now and Christmas about being in the Word daily. And so feel free to pick up one of the Words of Hope devotionals if you don't want to mess with the whole e-reader Kindle thing. The last thing I would say is that some of you might have gotten these and you're like, wait a minute, it says we're supposed to start next Sunday, not this Sunday. That is because some churches start Advent this Sunday because Christmas Eve is on Sunday. Other churches start next week. We're in the start this week Sunday, as you can tell. So don't pay attention to the dates. Pay attention to this is the first week, and we start today with light. Make sense? Okay, some of you are like, I'm lost. It's okay, see me afterwards, you can ask questions. The last thing I would say is if you have kiddos or if you have a family or if you have grandkids and you need a kid's advent calendar, we have some out on the information uh, table at the front as you can take one as you leave, all right? Okay, so as the quieter family reminded us as we started our service today, our theme today is light. And this weekend marks a lot of light. I come from a small town out in the center of Nebraska. It's called the Christmas City uh, because the courthouse is actually lit up with lights that turn on Thanksgiving Day weekend. I'm wondering, I'm going to take a quick poll, how many of you put your Christmas trees up this weekend and lit? Yeah, a number of you. And online, feel free to thumb in, right? A number of us, this weekend is where we start the light. In fact, if you've noticed neighborhood lights, Christmas light, outdoors lights are on. If you walk into any retailer, it's all lights, all music, all the time. Some of us get a little tired of that. 
I won't name who. I might sometimes. Some of you are loving it. And yeah, I love it. Yes, very good. Now, here's the thing, though. I think particularly the retailers in our culture want us to believe that from here on out, it's all joy all the time, right? They want us to hear the message that every family is always smiling, every, fa- every house is beautifully decorated, everybody has unlimited resources to buy whatever gifts they want. How many of you have seen the commercial, the commercial where the couple buy each other pickup trucks? Who does this? Who does this? And the kind of clear message that is unspoken but there is that you better get busy making hot cocoa and spending money for Christmas because if you don't, something's wrong with you. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the world. Can I get an amen in the house? Because we're human, it's called. I mean, just look around for half a second. I can only watch the news in about 15-minute increments, or I feel like I'm going to lose my existential mind. It's so rough. And we know from research, 35% of Americans say they have never carried more debt than they are carrying right now. I suspect that number is low. The holidays put a lot of extra stress on families. We know that fewer daylight hours means more depression for some of us that gets acute during this time of year. And while for some of us, the Thanksgiving holidays were awesome, for some of us, it was an absolute train wreck. And we don't know how to to answer the question, how were your holidays? Let's be honest, could we? Some of us are dreading going back to work tomorrow. The bottom line is that we long for light, but we are neck deep in darkness. And that's kind of hard to admit, isn't it? I find it hard to admit. There's a reason the Hallmark Channel sells, because most of us want to avoid darkness at all costs. But this morning, the first Sunday of Advent, if we're going to talk honestly about light, then we have to talk honestly about darkness, too. And the good news, I believe, is that the church is one of the few places in our culture that is equipped to talk about both. And the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, Psalm 80, is perfectly placed to help us. So I want to invite Krista Moy to come up Uh, And if you would, pull out your Bible. You can pull it out on your phone, or maybe you brought one to read along, or you can follow along on the screens. Krista is a friend of mine. You may have noticed she joined the church a couple of weeks ago, and I've asked her to read Psalm 80 for us this morning. Hear these words from Psalm 80. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock. 
You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Krista. So, you might be wondering, why in the world would we start Advent? This is not very Christmassy. But one of the reasons is that I think there's real damage when we don't actually own our whole reality fully. Let me run through a couple of things that I think can happen if we keep trying to pretend that there is no pain and there is no darkness. The first is that that kind of, well, denial can be a form of gaslighting. When we try to pretend that Everything is great and fine and great and fine. Any of you have those days when that's all you say? Well, then we can start to believe that something is fundamentally wrong with us if it's not that we're actually great and fine. And that can be true for us, and it can actually end up being true for other people. It can be kind of crazy-making. If people around you know you're not fine, but you aren't willing to name that you're not fine. And then you can also start wrestling with that. Second, the research is clear. When we try to suppress negative emotions, like anger and fear and anxiety and sadness, that only works for so long. And then it has consequences on our physical, emotional, spiritual health. Denial is hard on every single part of our body and soul and mind. We also know that that urge to suppress and numb out leads to an increase in addictive behaviors. 
and self-harm. We attempt to numb. A lot of people believe that a lot of the addiction we experience in our country, whether it's to alcohol or marijuana or shopping or work, is really our attempt to keep avoiding feeling pain. And then it leads to isolation and loneliness, right? Because in the darkness of the night, we know that we're struggling, and it starts to feel like we've built this fortress around ourselves that isolates us from real connection and real care from other people. And the reality is, is that oftentimes we want to take care of each other, we want to be there for each other, but we don't, can't care for what we don't know. Make sense? And then, I think last but not least, it can create a problematic image of God, right? If we believe that God can't handle our negative emotions, well then, who is that God? Does he really care about all of us? And here's the beauty, the Psalms, 70% of the Psalms is lament. 70%. That would tell me that we have a lot of permission and that our God welcomes all of who we are. So the bottom line is that if we don't actually talk about darkness and create room for darkness, the more we avoid and pretend that there is no dark, well then the dark just gets darker, which is a problem for us. But the scripture shows us and research confirms that the simple act of actually giving words to our pain with God and with others brings relief and hope and light. Let's take a minute and just look at how well Psalm 80 models this. Did any of you cringe a little bit as Krista read it? It's very honest language. The community of the people of God are crying out with a level of anger that I don't think we're used to hearing or thinking about. If I could paraphrase and put it in our language today, I think it would sound something like this. How long, oh God, will you turn your back on us? Have you fallen asleep or are you deaf? Are you weak or are you just ticked off at us? It feels like all we can do is cry. It feels like others just make fun of us. It feels like we're defenseless and picked on. Would you get moving and come and save us? It would appear to me that God and the psalmist are just fine with the level of honesty and anger that many of us are probably more uncomfortable with. Now, in the devotional for this week, Dan Boone says something, I think it, I loved this quote. He says, the one role we get to play in this psalm is to remind God that it is high time he got moving. Like frustrated children pounding our fist on the table, we cry out, for an appearance from God. Maybe this behavior indicates a lack of trust or appropriate humility, or maybe it indicates a deep belief that there is no one else who cares enough to help. 
And maybe it's a little bit of both. I love that. I love that tension that recognizes that we can be totally honest with God and some of it will be right and good and some of it will be messy and we don't even have to be the ones to figure all that out. We can trust God to hold it and to receive it. And I think that is part of what we need. It's part of what I need is permission to be impatient and to be confused and to bring all of that into the reality of God. Because if darkness is our reality, then the psalmist also reminds us that there is a hope of light that only God can bring. Three times over, did you hear it? The refrain. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we might be saved. I love the power of that imagery. I remember one particular time I was running in track, and I hate track so much. Have you seen my legs? They're real short. But my co I loved volleyball and basketball, and my coach said, if you want to play those sports, you got to run track. So I ran track badly, real badly. And I remember one race in particular, I was not feeling good, and then I got lapped in the mile. If you know anything about track, you know that's real bad, real, real bad. Um, and I remember wanting with everything in me to quit. And then I heard my dad cheering. And I knew his face was turned towards me. And I thought, okay, I can run. I can finish for him. That's the image, right? Oh, God, if you would just... Turn your face towards us. We just need to hear your voice. We need to know you're still present. I love the other imagery in this psalm. One is of sheep who need a shepherd, right? I don't know if you know much about sheep. They're pretty vulnerable, and they have no natural defenses. And they're crying out. We cry out, God, we need you to lead us, guide us, protect us. The other image was of a vine that had been planted Vines can't take care of themselves. They need protection. They need tending. It's the language of vulnerability, of a recognition that we can't fix our own situation, and we need God to move. And the beauty is that God welcomes our cry and says, you can ask, how long, O Lord, we can wait with a determined hope, saying as loud as we want and as often as we need, restore us, turn your face towards us, please. So this morning, it seems only appropriate to create a space to do that. And I'm going to invite us to practice for a minute, acknowledging our darkness and our need for the light. And so I'm going to give you three simple prompts out of Psalm 80. And whether you're in the room or whether you're online, I want to invite you, um, I'm going to invite you to take out your phone twice in one service. Just mark this down as historic. Um, but I want to invite you, if you have a phone and you have a notes app, pull it out. If you uh, bring paper and pen and you want to write, on the back of your worship order, 
in the margins or on the front, you can. Or if you just want to follow along in your quiet of hearts, I want to invite you to write your own lament right now. So Fuzz is going to play a little bit in the background just to create a little bit of safety and quiet. And I want you to start the first sentence, Hear me, God who is. Just name an attribute or a quality of God. How would you describe God as you've experienced God to be in the past? Or how you are longing for God to be to you right now? Once that sentence is written, I would invite you to write the next sentence. How long will you? And in this place, I would invite you just name your reality. What's difficult? What's painful? What can't change unless God moves? Now I want you to move on. Restore me to. What is the thing you want God to do? What would restoration look like? What are you longing for today? And then close your lament with this cry. Make your face to shine on us or shine on me that we may be saved. Now friends, if this is the end of the story, then there's a lot of darkness. But the Advent season reminds us there's hope, that we're not left alone in the dark. I wonder if some of you noticed this odd reference in verse 17. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Who is the one that the psalmist sees waiting in the wings of history? The one who will save and restore. Yeah, the light of the world. Jesus. In fact, Zechariah promises of this in Luke 1 saying that Jesus will come to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace.